Hello, my name is Paul Anderson. I'm the pastor at Grace Valley Fellowship, and today I'm here with Kelly Roudenbush, who is a child and family therapist. Today we're finishing out a series called Who Am I Becoming? where we've been exploring how what we do and think and buy and use the relationships we have, all of these things are cumulatively forming us into someone or something. Over the past four weeks, we've explored uh, our environment, our stories, the way we make sense of the world, uh, our relationships and our habits, how all of these things form us. Today, we're landing the series on the very weighty topic of experiences, how our past experiences, what we've gone through in life, both good and bad, shape our present reality and who we're becoming. Um, for this topic, it's going beyond my expertise. I wanted to lean into uh, someone who has a bit more experience in this. And if you've ever tried to process your past, you know that it's way more than just remembering a list of things that you probably need some help from God, from others in this. So today we're going to talk to Kelly. Kelly, thanks for joining us. Yeah. Uh, you are a child and family therapist. Mm -hmm. So talk to us real quick. What does that mean? Like, what do you actually do? <laughs> I work exclusively with foster and adoptive families. Um, so that the families can be families that help children relearn uh, who they are and how the world works because of experiencing early trauma. What that looks like in actuality is I do a lot of parent coaching, um, troubleshooting and helping them to navigate current challenges that are an effect of the early trauma. Um, and then I help children to understand and process their story in something that I call narrative work. Mm. Um, going back to learn how to tell their story more truly and also helping parents to do the same for themselves. So sharing your past story, mm -hmm. uh, even if you're a healthy person without trauma, mm -hmm. can be difficult, can be dangerous, can feel threatening. Yeah. Um, sell me on this. Why, why do you want people to go back and unearth all of that? Like, why would someone take the risk or the pain of, right. of, of exposing that? What's the benefit of that? Yeah, yeah. It is risky. It is scary. It is painful to do. But the alternative of being in a cycle of believing things about who you are hmm. and about the people who are around you, believing things like that and getting stuck in that, um, it's very hard to get out of that on your own. And as you live that cycle over and over again, it gets stronger and more impactful going forward. So yes, it's scary and painful and hard and risky to do narrative work, to go into the past and face things that you you know, might want to shelf, but the alternative of continuing in on the cycle that you're on, I feel like is riskier, scarier, more painful. Hmm. Yes, I've seen that myself. Yeah. So, so talk to me, what does this actually look like, this narrative work you're talking about? Like, mm -hmm. what does it look like to tell your story? Like, how does it go beyond just, I grew up here and then went to school here, just listing out some facts? What is it? Walk me through a process. Okay, well, 
first, I want to kind of give a little bit of clarity to say even the facts, like listing out the facts, is really impactful because our memory of facts, are, it's laden with meaning. Hmm. The way we tell a story is full of meaning. The details that we include, the people we include, how we tell it, the pronouns that we use, even what we choose to even say is a story, you know, what we make part of our story has lots and lots of meaning. Mm -hmm. So there is um, a lot of power in even just sharing the facts. As far as what it looks like in a clinical kind of sense, mm -hmm. I would say we tell the story and look for um, where there may be uh, meanings that, that are being made about who they are and how the world works that need a little bit of correction. So uh, let's pull on this thread a little bit. G okay. give, me, give me an example, because I think we're all struggling. Like, okay, I tell a story. How would you help someone enter into their story and maybe see it in a different perspective? Okay. I'm going to share an example, like from the clinical space and the work that I do. Okay. Mm -hmm. So a good example to me, I work with foster and adopted children each one of those children's stories is entirely unique, like very, very different. But all of them have in some capacity a big goodbye, like a, a parting mm -hmm. with the most enduring earthly relationship that they should have had. So, you know, as we work with children to um, for them to tell their story, there's a part of their story that is going to be the abandonment, the goodbye, Um and how they tell that part is is very significant. It is not uncommon for a child to get to that part in their story as we're talking, and they say something like, I left my mom. Hmm. Now, the story is the same. There was a goodbye, but using those pronouns and having them flipped makes a really big difference in how um, they assign meaning to that. So at that point, I might say something like, oh, hold on a second. You know, did you hear what you just said? Can I tell you what you just said? Is, is that true? Did you, did you leave your mom? Hmm. Can, can babies leave their mom like that? And we just hmm. kind of do a, a gentle kind of redirect and, and magnify, like pay attention to the meaning that they're assigning to their story because oftentimes they don't even they don't even know the meaning that they're assigning. Does that make sense? It does. Uh, so what is specifically push into this a little? I think a lot of um, if you don't have background in this, which I have very little. Okay. A little bit of familiarity. Yeah. Um, a lot of this just sounds um, uh, psychological or woo woo. Like what? <laughs> how does this actually? change a person like what 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 about this process where's the, the where does the power lie in this in your experience or your actually training? yeah yeah I think that's a good question and one that actually I feel like parents ask often because parents may come to me initially with current challenges um maybe not because they want to uh, process their child's story with them. Um, so I have to sell people on this. You know, I have to present it to them on why mm -hmm. this is helpful, why this is useful. And my answer to you would be going back and retelling the story does not change the child's story. 
you know, in in my experience and the clinical sense of working with children. Mm-hmm. But this would apply similarly to the adults and to the parents when we talk about their story. It doesn't change the facts of their story, but it changes the way they tell the story. And if we can change the way they tell the story, not in a in a way to um, sugarcoat things or to like fix it, but to identify misconceptions or where there might be places where they're believing something about themselves that is not true, when they can do that in a safe Mm. place with Mm. people who are resonating with them and attuned to them and giving lots of acceptance to them, they learn that they're not alone in it. And we can very gently kind of reveal places that we can make adjustments, even if the story itself doesn't change. So uh, let's go a little further on one piece, because you and I have chatted offline a little and talked about why can't someone just go off and do this on their own? Why can't I just tell my story and process it, you know, go off on my own? You've pushed back and said, no, the other person is really critical in this. Yeah. Talk talk to that. Okay. Um, I think there's a little bit of work we can do on our own. So I'll like preface what Helpful. I'm saying to say um, you can do things on your own, but it's very, very hard mm-hmm. <laughs> to do the work on your own. And as risky as it may be to share it with another person, you can experience things in a different way, in a much deeper way. Because as we share what we see as the most challenging parts of our story, maybe the ugliest parts of our story, the hardest parts or... Um, the most shameful parts, the parts we'd rather hide, Mm -hmm. as we reveal that to someone else and experience someone saying, I'm not going to leave you here alone. Mm. I'm here with you, and I'm going to help you to see yourself more clearly here. When we experience them experiencing us, our experience changes in a way that doesn't happen really on our own. Mm. We can get this far on our own. We can do some work on our own. But it's way more impactful and way deeper when we can do it and experience someone looking at us across the table. So connect this, what you just said, with, I know you're a longtime GVF member. I you're am. a follower of Jesus. Yes. And so someone's sitting there saying, oh, this just sounds like psychological stuff. What does yeah. this have to do with the Bible, following Jesus? Right. Uh, the gospel, what is this experiencing someone experiencing your story, sharing your story, processing that? What does that have to do with a relationship with Jesus from your background? I would say that my experience of the gospel of Jesus, being relationship with Jesus, is just what I um, kind of said. It's the picture of um, Jesus knowing and seeing um the darkest parts of me, uh, of who I am, as well as my experiences of what I have done, as well as what has been done to me, Hmm. and still pursuing me, um, dying for me, like the once and done part of the gospel, as well as continuing to pursue me and desire me and want to be near to me. That is the gospel. <laughs> to me, that 
That is the winsome part of Jesus and my experience of Jesus. The work that I'm describing um, between human beings across the table is a felt experience of the gospel to me. For someone who knows Jesus already, it's a way to feel the gospel, to experience that with another. But also for someone who doesn't know Jesus or doesn't follow Jesus, I think it gives them a taste of what the gospel could be for them. So it's almost like we're the hands and feet of Jesus. Yes. If someone had just thought that up and written that down somewhere. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So... Let's get a little practical here. Okay. Let's say, okay, I'm convinced. I need to go through my story, my narrative work. I need to process that. I haven't taken the time to really understand that. But the reality is, Mm -hmm. is that there's not many safe people out there. A lot of people wouldn't know what to do if I go out there and just sure. vomit up my deepest darkest Even if secrets. their intention is to be. And even, right? and some people might be really nice, really helpful, mm-hmm. but they might unintentionally be really hurtful in that process. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. let's, from two different angles here, coach, coach us through this. Mm-hmm. On the one side, let's start here. I'm looking to be a safe person. Yeah. So I want to be the person that people can come to and share their stories, and I can be the gospel for them. I can show them unconditional love, acceptance mm. in that. Um, how do I be a safe person? Coach me through that side first. Well, let me first say to you, like, this is hard even for me. Mm. Like, this is hard. Like, this is part of the human experience for this to be hard. So if someone is listening to this and feeling like, oh, this is too hard— There's part of me that just wants to say, like, of course it is hard. Like, it is hard for everyone. Even someone who has made a profession out of doing this, it's really hard. It's much easier for me to kind of speak to this side of it, of how to be a listener. Yeah. Because I feel like I've had lots of practice at that. So, let me share kind of first that side to say I love having the conversation of how to be like a safe person. And this is something that I work with parents to do, like before their child ever enters the room, Mm -hmm. is how do we be that safe person for them? Because parents want to be the safe person. So the first thing I'd say is um, we want to be accepting, we want to be empathetic, and we want to be curious. Mm. What I mean by that is... Um, giving our child or our person, you know, in in a casual type of relationship, a lot of space to experience whatever it is that they're experiencing, that whatever was unmentionable that they are now mentioning is okay. Mm. That's that's okay. Um, being present in them, in it with them, um, rather than distracted by all the things that can be distracting to us, looking for something that we can say makes sense. Mm. Simply just saying, it makes sense to me that you would feel that way. Those are very, very powerful words Mm. to someone. It's the words that mean like, you're not crazy. Mm. You know, I'm hearing you and it makes sense to me. Doesn't mean that you have to agree with their interpretation of the story or whatever it is they're saying. You're just saying, it makes sense to me that you would feel that way. Mm-hmm. That to me is very powerful when we're seeking to be a safe person for others. 
So coach me through on the other side now. Yes. I have hurts or I have just things that I've never processed and I'm looking um, I'm looking for a safe person with whom I can process best. How do I find someone who I could share that with? Like, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. This is much harder. I feel like generally it's more comfortable to be the listener than the one that's being, you know, sharing. Yeah. This is much harder. Um, I have two pieces of advice that I feel like are worth sharing. Um, and this is like me sharing both personally and from a professional view because I feel like this is so hard for me, even even me personally. One, I would say it doesn't have to be like an all or nothing type of approach where you're looking for some you know magical person who you can reveal are your deepest, darkest secrets to that you've never divulged before or something like that. Mm-hmm. It can be... Um, that you look for a safe person to just share one thing with. Hmm. And you you just ask someone, like, would you, would you be willing to um, help me think through this experience? And you just share one experience. And maybe it's not an experience from past. Maybe it's one that's more current that doesn't feel quite as big or weighty. Hmm. And you just try it on. You just try it. And if you do just a little, you kind of build a a little bit of momentum. As we talked about that cycle earlier, I mentioned a cycle. If you can do one little thing, you might be able to get a cycle going in a different direction and pick up some momentum. Mm -hmm. And then my other piece of advice is to expect some ruptures and some fails in it. Yeah. Because even the safest person is coming with their own history and the, their own messages that they're playing in their head on repeat. And as safe as they may want to be, they're bringing things to the table too. So expect that there's going to be like some mishaps. There may be some misses where you're just not mm-hmm. catching each other or hearing each other correctly, and that's okay. So. If it doesn't meet your expectations, if that person that you were really hoping would be your safe person doesn't quite get it, it doesn't mean that it's a fail or it's not worth trying again or um, that it's done and worthless. Maybe you just need to reciprocate a little bit um, and try again. Hmm. Kelly, um, what a great vision and uh, my heart for us as a church or wherever you're at in your relationship with God to move forward in this, to become safe people and mm-hmm. then to take the risk to to share our stories and, and grow in that so that we can become who we're called to be. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and I'm excited to share some stories. <laughs>